Nai mai hara mai ki te roki roki o te awa o Pawaho. Kia ora and welcome to the podcast of the River o Pawaho. This episode is part two of a series that we did on the Sermon on the Plain. We will look at one of Jesus' most challenging teachings and the way in which those teachings were lived out by the people of Parihaka and Taranaki right here in Aotearoa. We pray that God will speak to you as you engage with this teaching. Kurihiti manu takini mai te ata ka ao ka ao ka awatea tihei mauri ora. This talk is called Walking to the Beat of Jesus, and we'll be looking at Luke 6, 27 to 36. Many years ago, I was 19 years old. I'd met Jesus. He was changing my life. And I'd met this girl. Her name was Rebecca, and she was changing my life. Um, Or more like I was having to change my life to make my life work around who she was as a human being. Bex has this very specific condition. It's called being hangry. When she gets hungry, she gets very angry. When she gets hungry, she knows she needs to eat, but then she gets frustrated because she's so hungry she doesn't know what she needs to eat. And then she gets angry at me because I'm not suggesting things that she would like to eat. I, as a naive 19-year-old thought that surely she could solve her own problems, and so I persisted that she would tell me what she wanted to eat, or we would just drive around forever. Um, it didn't go well. Eventually, um, I realized the, uh, the flaws of my ways, and I pulled over next to the fish and chip shop at Hallswell. Um, I went in. I ordered a fish and some chips, and then went outside to wait for my deep-fried heart disease. It was a lovely sunny day, and so I was like, okay, Bex, there's going to be food in just a second. Can you just stay calm? Just sit nicely. There's a nice wall here. Just sit on this wall. So we sit on the wall. The sun is shining, and I'm like, everything's going to be okay. And then I hear this knock on a window, and so I turn around, and there's this very angry lady behind the window. I'm like, I'm just like, what's, what's her deal? And so I turn around, we're still sitting, just waiting for the fish and chips. And then I hear a door open, and she goes, you bloody young people, get off my fence. Came from nowhere. I was like, man, I've already dealt with a very angry woman today. I don't need another one. <laughs> and I was like, this was not the right thing to say, but this is a true story. I was in so much shock, I just turned to her and said, if you want me to get off the fence, ask nicely. <laughs> That is like the ultimate push button. It's like telling someone who's angry to calm down or telling someone that they're behaving like their mother. These are things you try and avoid doing. And so so she loses her mind. If you want to get off the fence, ask nicely. She goes, oh, ask nicely, picks up a hose and goes to turn it on to squirt us. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't feel like being soaked by a crazy angry lady. And I was new to this faith thing. And this lady had just, it was it was so intense that I decided I was going to egg her house. That was what went through my mind. So I went to the dairy, went to buy eggs. I was just about to pay for these eggs. And then I had one of those moments where I was like, James, you're a Christian. And man, I wanted to buy those eggs. <laughs> really did. But I was like, no, I'm not going to buy these eggs. And so I went outside and I'd love to say that I you know, prayed and fasted and worked out what to do. I was already fasting. 
There was a gift shop next to the dairy. I went into the gift shop. I said to the person, I, I want to buy a gift for a really crazy lady. They were like, what is she like? I don't know, hoses, you know? Um, I was like, <laughs> and she goes, we've got this beautiful Christmas decoration. I was like, how much is it? She's like, $40. I was like, something cheaper. And so I eventually found this cheap Christmas decoration and the lady said, do you want it gift wrapped? And in that moment, I was like, yes, I do. And so I got this Christmas decoration and I got it gift wrapped and I went back to that lady's house and I knocked on her door and she came to the door and she's like, oh, you again, right? And started yelling at me from the other side of the door. I was like, look, I just want you to know that at Christmas time, we celebrate the good news of Jesus and the peace that came into the world. So I've got you a present. She's like, I don't want your bloody present. And I was like, I'll just leave it here on your doorstep for you. And I walked away. And that lady only had a few options then. She could take this gift and she could throw it in the bin, or she could take this gift and she could reflect on how she had engaged in that whole situation. But what happened for me is I went from being furious with this lady to walking down her driveway, praying for her, even though she'd been so rude to Bex and I. I was like, no, this person needs the love of Jesus too. And I hope that as we engage with what is, what is known as one of Jesus' most challenging teachings today, we can think about that story and we can think about the story that I'm going to tell us and hopefully we can reflect on what it might mean for our lives, especially for the difficult people, the difficult people in our, in our families, the difficult people in our workplaces, the, the people who make us want to throw eggs because there are people like that. And what Jesus might have to say about how we carry ourselves as his followers. So let's jump into the scripture. Here we go. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. This is consistently listed as one of the most challenging teachings of Jesus. In fact, it's so challenging that not one of these kids' Bibles even mentions it. Like, it doesn't go there at all. The way it reduces the Sermon on the Plain and the Sermon on the Mount is, build your house on rock, yeah! But it doesn't engage with the very, very challenging teachings that the people that oppose you, your response to them as a Jesus follower is meant to be profound and challenging and upside down. So when you come across scriptures like this, it is really easy to come up with compensations or dispensations or a whole bunch of reasons why these scriptures don't necessarily apply. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, we would never do that. We do that all the time. I want to give you just a few examples of times that we go, oh, that's in the Bible, but we won't, we won't you know, obey that. Here's a great one. This is um, from John. 
You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I am your Lord and teacher and have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. When was the last time you washed another fellow believer's feet? Jesus tells his followers right here to do it. Anyone washed someone else's feet recently? So it's interesting. I'll give you another couple of short examples. Greet one another with a holy kiss. When was the last time you showed up to church and, you know, Dave Rubin's on the door welcoming you? Come here, honey. Um, like that doesn't, you know, we, we just don't really actually follow this out. Although this is a verse in and of itself. Greet one another with a holy kiss. This is a command, a biblical command, and yet we don't necessarily practice it. Here's another one. This one's not loaded at all. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. You dishonorable woman. The point I want to make here is this, is that I'm less interested in necessarily what people believe about Scripture, but I'm really interested in how and why they came to those conclusions. And if you find niggly pieces of Scripture like that interesting, and why we do or don't follow certain things, then this is a fantastic book that I'd recommend by a scholar called Scott McKnight called The Blue Parakeet. Thoroughly recommend it for engaging with those bits of Scripture that you're like, what do we do with that? But what I don't want to do today is make a case for the dispensation or you know, the reasons why we don't fully have to lend money to those who, who are our enemies and not expect to have it paid back. I also don't want to implore you to follow this teaching. I don't want to just like didactically tell you that you're bad people because you don't follow Jesus' teaching. What I want to do is I just want to tell you about one of the most incredible communities to actually live this out. And the story is from right here in Aotearoa. And then off the back of that story, we'll be invited to reflect on what our response is to this challenging teacher of Jesus. Is that all right? This. There's a painting of the settlement of Parihaka in Taranaki. So after the Taranaki Wars in the 1860s, the New Zealand government confiscated a huge amount of land from the Māori of that area as a penalty for a war that they didn't start. That's an entire story all in of itself, so we're not gonna we're not gonna get into that. But without land, the people had nowhere to grow food, and without food, the people began to starve. And when I say starve, I mean like proper starving and dying, not the type of starving that my kids claim they are when I won't let them have popcorn and only offer them fruit. People were dying because they had no land to grow food in. And so in 1865, two men. Te Fiti Orongomai, although if you're from Taranaki, Te Whiti Orongomai, and Tohu Kākahi founded the settlement of Parihaka. And from 1865 till November the 5th, 1881, they lived in peace and they farmed the land there. During the time, that 14, 15 years, they didn't measure how much land they um, had in agriculture by acres, they measured it in miles. They were growing food from Parihaka all the way to the coast, which is about four and a half miles of agriculture, about seven kilometers worth of agriculture. This was like an economic powerhouse, and they were feeding the people of Taranaki when they were dispossessed from their own land, and they were attracting people from other tribes, and these tribes were living together in peace, and they were living together in peace, inspired by the very words that we're looking at today inspired by the gospel of Luke, inspired by the words of Jesus. And so, 
By the early 1880s, Parihaka was the largest Māori community in the whole of New Zealand. They had about 2,000 people living there. And for a variety of very unfounded reasons, the government decided that Parihaka was a threat. And so what they decided to do was attempt to divide and conquer. They sent surveyors into Taranaki, and what they would do is they'd measure up the land, they'd claim that the land had been confiscated, and they'd build roads and fences right through the middle of Māori settlements, and then they'd say, you don't own this land anymore, it now belongs to William Jones, and you need to leave. And this happened over and over and over again. And then they began to use that same strategy and that same tactic against the people of Parihaka. So starting in 1879, the people of Parihaka, led by Te Fiti Orongomai and Tohu Kākahi and another guy called Ti Tukuwaru, began a campaign of non-violent resistance inspired by the words of Jesus. And what they began to do is they began to plough up roads that were being built and plant them with agriculture. They began to take down fences. They moved surveyors, pigs. They fenced off areas that they were like, this is our land. And hundreds and hundreds of people were arrested for doing stuff to their own land. That's a crazy, crazy story. But these people were inspired by books like this. This is one of the first editions of the, the New Testament in Te Reo Māori that were printed by the Church Missionary Society by um, William Colenso. And so, after two years, from 1879 to 1881, hundreds and hundreds of these nonviolent protesters had been imprisoned without trial and were being subjected to hard labour all over the place. They were arrested without trial, held in prison indefinitely. This was one of the many very illegal things that the government did. Now, not everyone in the government was silent. There were people in government who were standing up protesting, saying the things that we're doing are against our own laws. And yet there was such hatred at that time that the government passed laws to make illegal what was legal. Crazy. It's so crazy. And so after two years of nonviolent protests, the government got fed up and they assembled a small army and they invaded Parihaka. As the troops were waiting in the redoubts to invade Parihaka, women and children from Parihaka were bringing food and feeding the soldiers. As the soldiers walked into Parihaka, they were met with songs. The children gave the soldiers flowers as they walked into Parihaka. They met the 2,000 people who lived at Parihaka who were sitting, waiting. They refused to move, but they didn't fight back. Te Fiti and uh, Tohu Kākahi were arrested. They didn't fight. And then their whole village was burnt down. All of their crops were burnt. Women and children were raped. It was horrific. Horrific. The prisoners that were taken were sent to New Plymouth and then Christchurch and Dunedin. A lot of the walls and a lot of the roads in Littleton were built by prisoners from Parihaka. A lot of the walls and a lot of the roads, the entire coastal road that goes out to the peninsula in Dunedin was built by the prisoners of Parihaka. Many of the prisoners of Parihaka died in the cold winters and as a result of their hard labor. And all of them were held illegally, without trial. Some of them were prisoners for 18 years. That's a crazy story. 
Te Fiti and Pohu were taken on a tour of the civilized South, and so they went to Bluff, Bluff's not that civilized, but they went to Invercargill, um, Dunedin, Timaru, Christchurch. They were taken on a tour of the great buildings so that maybe they could be coerced into seeing the benefits of colonization and the civilized life. There's this famous story. They were taken to see the great buildings of Christchurch, and when asked what they thought about these great buildings, Pohu and Te Fiti turned to the people who were with them, and they said, your city has a beautiful river. (laughs) They could see value in what was actually valuable. Now, not everyone was arrested. Uh, At Parihaka, the army built a fort on the hill behind and remained at that settlement, and Parihaka was under military occupation for the next five years, and the rapes continued, and year after year, the crops would be burned. They tried to starve these people out, and these people responded in peaceful, loving service. It's an outrageous story. So we ask the question, like, why didn't these people who endured so much hardship, why didn't they rise up? Why didn't they fight for themselves? And the simple answer is because these people were seriously committed to the ways of Jesus, including his most challenging teachings. Now, I've given you the briefest history, the briefest telling of this story. I've spent lots of time wading in deep. If you want to wade in deep, here is a smattering of resources that I'd recommend. Wars Without End by Danny Keenan. He's a descendant from Parihaka, and he tells the story of the New Zealand wars from a Māori perspective. Rangi Nui Walker, he is an incredible Māori author who tells an entire history of what happened to the Māori people. New Zealand Wars by James Baelish is a really incredible piece of work, as is the New Zealand Wars by Vincent O'Malley. If you're really interested in the interrelationship between Christianity and colonisation, Bible and Treaty by Keith Newman's fantastic. Huia Come Home by Jay Ruka is incredible. And this book here, Te Fiti Orongomai, is also by Danny Keenan. And it's a fantastic resource if you want to read the poetry of a Māori man who was so shaped by Jesus and hear the story about what happened and how he lived his life. Or, if you want to hear the story firsthand, a guy called Mihinga Hohaia, um, who was a direct descendant of Parihaka as well, and there's a series of two lectures that you can listen to here where he tells the story himself, and it's amazing and, and moving. But I guess the question that I'm trying to ask us here is, what do you do with the scriptures like this? Like, do we ignore them? Are some of you even sitting here going, the people of Parihaka, they should have risen up. They should have stood for their rights. They should have fought back. You know, I, I guess what we're all invited into here is to be invited by Jesus as he invites all of us to just think again about what it really might mean to follow him in all aspects of our lives. Now, just as I finish, you may be wondering why there's a drum and why I've called this talk Walking to the Beat of Jesus. At Parihaka, there was a drum that the invading forces used to march, and that drum is now in the hands of the people. That is the drum right there. And I want to read you something that Tikiturangi Romati said about that drum. But before I do, I want to tell you about Tikiturangi's death so Tikiturangi Romati was the archdeacon of Taranaki for a long time. He was actually a great-grandson of Te Fiti himself. When he died in 2018, he was buried at St. Mary's Church in New Plymouth. And there's a powerful symbolism in the place where Tikiturangi chose to be buried. Because in the 1860s, St. Mary's was a garrison church. It was a church that gave assistance to the colonial soldiers who 
were the very soldiers who invaded Parihaka. That same church had betrayed those who had endured the onslaught. And so Māori people of Taranaki had shunned St. Mary's Church for over 120 years, but Tiki didn't. He didn't shun that place. Knowing the history, he chose to mend the history. He now lies among the colonial soldiers and their descendants in the graveyard of St. Mary's Church. He is the first Māori to be buried in that sacred space. At his graveside, at his tangi, Archbishop Philip reflected on the significance of his choice. He said this, One of the things that Tiki always reminded us of is that the gospel's principle that the truth will set you free. But we will never forget that this is the place where they stored the gunpowder they used to shoot your ancestors. So even in death, Tiki chose to live out that message of painful reconciliation. He always encouraged us to face the history that this church is enmeshed in, and he encouraged us to face that history so that it could transform our future. His lasting wish was to be permanently associated with the need for an honest telling of the story. And then he said this, it was his wish that continues to be at the forefront of that conflicted history, teaching us the way of peace, teaching us the way of the radical inclusion of all people, and teaching us that pathway of love and reconciliation, which will bring in the end healing to our history and healing to our relationships. This man who lived a life focused on reconciliation, who had himself buried among the people who had killed his ancestors, This is what he said of this drum. He said, we took that drum and we turned it around on them. We beat them out with peace and love. It's not that Christians have never practiced this teaching of Jesus. It's more that the cost of practicing this way of Jesus is so high. And there are only a handful of Jesus followers throughout history who have taken it seriously. And that is why Parihaka is one of the greatest travesties of New Zealand's history and also one of our greatest taonga. I'm not going to land this talk for us today. I'm not going to offer a whole bunch of reflective questions. I just want you to hold that scripture that calls for this outrageous response to people that hate us, that we don't like. And I want you to hold the story of Parihaka and their response. And I want you to hold the words and the life of Tikiturangi Raumati and simply ask Jesus what it is that he might be saying to you today. One of the things that makes Christianity so unique is the endless call for both repentance and forgiveness. And that's for ourselves and that's for others. Often, forgiveness and holding someone in a place of forgiveness is the first step to be able to really take seriously loving our enemy. Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us now. That we would be motivated again in new and fresh ways to be people of love, to be people of grace, to be people of forgiveness, especially for the people who are most difficult in our world. And I pray that you would stir us at a heart's level in our own lives, but also at a habitat's level in the spaces that we, that we move through and also at a systems level, Lord, at a, at a humanity level. There are some bad things going on in the world, God. How are you calling us individually and collectively to respond in loving service?
stir our hearts, Jesus. So that's the end of part two of our series on the Sermon on the Plain. If you want to stay up to date with this series, then hit subscribe, follow along, so you can be up to date when the next episodes come out. If you want to find out more about what's going on at the River or Pawahu, you can find out more at theriveroropawahu.org.nz. Te aroha noa me te rangi māri e ki a koe. Grace and peace to you.